Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, Jim, does the name Ben Gilman mean anything to you? Well, yes, it rings a bell. Gilman, I believe, was in Congress for a long time, uh, 30 years or so. I remember him as a moderate Republican, and his district included Hastings-on-Hudson, where you and I both lived and where we first became friends. Right. And I voted for Ben Gilman, which, which may surprise you because he was a Republican. But during the 70s, 80s, and 90s, he was among several dozen Republicans in the House who were actually more liberal than some Democrats. I liked Gilman because he really did reach across the aisle. He was, he was bipartisan. Oh, how long ago that seems. Is Congress more extreme than the voters? We discuss with Gail Hoffman and J.P. Thomas. When you actually look at the things that need to be done to fix things in this country, it is remarkable the degree of agreement and commonality. So it does surprise people, but... You know, right now, Congress is not um, and the debate in Congress is not a reflection of the American people and where they stand. And the American people know that. Our show is about fixes. Yeah. How to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix fix it? it? How do we fix it? Broad majorities of American voters actually agree on a bunch of things. For instance, they support access to abortion with clear limits, permanent legal status for dreamers, undocumented residents brought to the U.S. when they were kids. They also agree on legal protections for same-sex marriage and some forms of gun control, including universal background checks. But despite a limited bipartisan gun safety bill that was passed recently, Congress these days doesn't seem to agree on much at all. Americans are deeply frustrated with Congress and with the government in Washington. We've been told this many times by by pollsters. People see that a lot of problems need to be fixed, but polarization has created persistent gridlock. Are members out of touch with their voters? Do they even know what most of their constituents want them to accomplish? Are some of them more extreme than the people they represent? And what can we do about this? Our guests are J.P. Thomas, director of 
External Relations at Voice of the People, a nonpartisan organization working to give the public a greater and more effective voice in government. JP's group also partners with the University of Maryland's Program for Public Consultation, which does research and surveys. Gail Hoffman is the president of the Hoffman Group. She has more than 25 years of experience in federal and state government, business, nonprofit organizations, and political campaigns. And she serves as a consultant to the Program for Public Consultation and the Voice of the People. Welcome to How Do We Fix It? Thank you for having us. Gail, let me throw the first question to you. Do you have the sense that members of Congress today are more extremely partisan than the public at large? Well, actually, what's interesting is if you listen to the public discourse, you would think that the public is very polarized. But actually, Congress is far more polarized than the public. The University of Maryland's Program for Public Consultation actually has identified more than 170 policy positions on which both the majority of Democrats and majority of Republicans agree. Many of these are things that have just been held up in Congress that haven't moved. And I think part of it is that members of Congress don't really understand that the public has these views and there's limited understanding of where their constituents really do stand. What are some examples of those topics, those more than 170 issues that people generally agree on, or at least the majority of Americans agree on? It ranges from everything from social security reform to climate issues. It literally, you can probably name almost any issue and there's agreement on it. JP, your organization, Voice of the People, did a recent poll of more than 4,000 voters One finding was that 83% believe that there is not, quote, currently an adequate system in place for the voice of the American people to be heard in Congress. Tell us more about those findings. Right now, the American people believe that the only way that they can really influence politics is through the electoral system. And that electoral system is built by two major political parties. And that means that there are not a ton of options for ways for the people's input to be directly influential to actual policy decisions in Congress. So in that that number, where 83% believe that there's not an adequate system for their voice to be heard in Congress, there isn't a lot of partisan difference when you break out those numbers between Republicans, Democrats, and independents. So this is a united front in the American people across partisan divides that feel like their voice, there isn't really a systematic way for it to influence Congress. In addition, only 11% of Americans believe that elections have proven to be fully adequate as a means for the people to express their views in government. And yet we're told that We are very divided between the Republican tribe and the Democratic tribe. What's going on here, Gail? I mean, is is this just simply wrong? There are some issues where there are different values at play, but the vast majority of issues, that's not the case. When you actually look at the things that need to be done to fix things in this country, It is remarkable the degree of agreement and commonality 
So it does surprise people, but right now Congress is not, and the debate in Congress is not a reflection of the American people and where they stand. And the American people know that. They not only don't think there's a system, they don't think they have a voice at the table, but they also know that if the public had more say, there would be a lot more action and and commonality in Congress. Well, if Congress isn't listening to the people or doesn't know really accurately what they think, who are they listening to, JP? Well, when you look at a daily schedule for a member of Congress, you think about what they're doing in their day-to-day. They're going to a couple of committee hearings, they're meeting some people for uh, constituent tours, but a large chunk of what they're doing is focused around reaching out to campaign donors, reaching out to the squeaky wheels, as we call them, who are oftentimes very involved in the governing process and have a lot of influence over it. So much of their time is spent looking at very uh, specific special interests, lobbyists, and they don't spend a lot of time only thinking about where do my constituents stand on this issue. What we've worked on is developing a methodology to allow the public to, in real time, provide input on policy proposals, and not only looking at the people who decide to write in letters to the members of Congress or who are told by an activist organization to do so. We want to reach out to people, get people who are outside of the political establishment and bring them in so that they can feel like they're being involved in the policymaking process. And we believe that that's a way to start rebuilding trust in government. Just to underline what you're saying, JP, uh, the survey that we've been talking about also found that this was stunning to me, that nine out of 10 voters, 91 percent, say the government is run for big interests who look out for themselves. In other words, it's not run for the rest of us. Uh, Does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me because when I bring up that I work in politics to my friends and family, oftentimes people feel fed up. They feel like this government is not necessarily cares about what I want, and they don't feel like their will is being reflected in their governments. And that's not just at the federal level. It's also at state and local levels as well. So people believe that there should be this social contract, that I'm paying taxes, I'm being part of the society, and my government should work and reflect what not only I think, but what everybody in the society as a whole, in the district, state, country as a whole think. People want government to reflect the entire population. Gail, we know that there are lots of polls going out every day on various controversial issues. But what's going on here is something a little bit deeper and a little bit more nuanced. Talk to us about some of the methodologies that the Program for Public Consultation and Voice of the People use to go beyond just asking a yes or no question like, do you support Roe v. Wade or or, uh, something like that? We use policymaking simulations, which we basically run as surveys with large representative samples of Americans. You're not just asking, you know, people here or there, you know, you're actually getting a scientific sample of Americans or in a state or in a congressional district. 
And what we do is we create policymaking simulations. They are all done online where people can go through them. They are given a short briefing on the issue. They are asked to evaluate pros and cons, and then they're asked to weigh in with their views. So it's not a yes or no question. It's not a standard poll. It's not an off-the-cuff response. People are actually getting informed information about a policy issue that is pending in Congress. So I'm curious about exactly how this works. Let's take an example, for instance, from one of your latest surveys on mental health and law enforcement, which involves whether people who are mentally ill and who may have committed a crime should be diverted from the criminal justice system to get treatment and help instead of facing a criminal trial or conviction. JP? So we just released a new survey on mental health diversion. Uh, This is the idea that 911 operators, when they receive a call, if they believe that it's a mental health issue rather than a law enforcement issue, the idea of this policy is that they should be able to send mental health professionals to go and deal with it. A lot of people don't really know how 911 call operating systems work. They don't necessarily know how people are sent to deal with certain public health or violence issues. So what we lay out is a briefing on what is mental health diversion, where does crime levels currently exist, and gives them a briefing on the issue at hand and explains to them kind of how successful and how not successful these programs have been in the past. Then we we work with advocates on different sides of the issue to develop arguments for and against. And we'll pull out two arguments that are pro and two arguments that are against. And as a respondent, you get to read those arguments and say how convincing you feel they are to you. So after a respondent has a chance to read the briefing, then they pick a recommendation, um, whether they favor or oppose that bill. We as an organization, we're not pushing people to favor or be against it. We want to know exactly where the public stands on this stuff. That is absolutely right. People actually, when they hear both arguments, pro and con, people often do agree with both arguments. There also becomes a healthier respect for people who, you know, have a different view on it. Ultimately, they may, you know, they may retain the same view they had, but they can respect others for disagreeing. And even when we brought people together afterwards who've gone through the survey together, people who disagree, they really enjoy talking to one another. And there is this mutual respect and understanding because they have gone through this process. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our guests are J.P. Thomas and Gail Hoffman. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now back to our interview. I love hearing about this effort to bring people into the political process, develop more informed, nuanced opinions about what policies might be, what the trade-offs might be. But now, how do we make the connection to Congress or state government? How are they responding to all this? The University of Maryland's Program for Public Consultation does public consultation surveys with um, national samples of Americans. We also have been working in states and congressional districts where we actually run these public consultation surveys. And in some cases, we have been doing events with members of Congress after the fact, along with constituents who have taken the survey, and they all get together where the results are revealed, and the results of the district are also compared to the national results, so people can see where they can see where they stand personally, they can compare themselves to the district as a whole, and even to the national results. And, you know, for people who participate in the events, we have, you know, 100% people saying that they would do another one or they would recommend it to others. This is a process that we are working to, to bring to every state and every congressional district. That's our vision, that we are hoping that there will be a time when we have a national citizen cabinet, as we often call it, which has representative sample of Americans, and it can be broken down by congressional district and state so that there would be a cabinet in every single state and congressional district, and that members of Congress could hear before important votes take place, they can hear what their constituents think about those issues. Both of you have been involved in in political campaigns and political strategies. Are you surprised by anything you've learned in these sessions from people? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think a lot of politicos think that they know what voters want and what they need, but oftentimes it's a mix of what the press is saying, what leadership within the party is saying. And I think that these, to me, as a political person who's worked on campaigns and for parties, is a really good way to get back to the basics of how do we represent our people in government? I see public consultations as being a massive value add to the discourse around politics right now, because we do not have a good way to really confirm where the public stands on things. Now there's a lot of different uh, voices, polls, people trying to inject their themselves 
into the process, but there isn't space for the actual people who the process should be developed around. So that is is why I, as a Politico, a campaigner, am so excited about public consultation, because I think it can start pushing the political parties back to a place in which they're representing the people first. Gail, have you been surprised by what you've had? You hear all the noise and it's not often that you hear people talking about common ground among Republicans and Democrats. And we're not really talking about just common ground on a few issues. We're talking about common ground on a massive scale. And I think it really provides us a lot of hope. I know people are dispirited in this kind of environment where there's so much friction, but the truth is there really is hope for where we are if we can make the public a greater force, the force that it was actually meant to be, and it's a legitimate force. I want to get in a little bit on one issue that we talk about a lot on the show and that I cover as a journalist, which is climate, energy, the environment. I looked through a bunch of the different answers and for a whole range of questions. Tell me what you found when you asked people across the political spectrum about the environment and clean energy. There's a lot of common ground among the American public on issues of energy and the environment. For example, right now in Congress, uh, a hot debated issue is tax incentives for uh, increasing the use of green energy alternatives on things like energy efficient building, give tax incentives for changing lighting to more fuel efficient lighting or um, replacing AC. And we found that in addition to tax incentives, we find common ground on moving power plants away from the use of carbon um, towards using more renewable energies. So there's a lot of common ground on the environment that you wouldn't necessarily believe in the current discourse. I'd love to hear a shout out from either of you about a lawmaker or two or three in Congress who's really embracing this idea. So we've done these public consultation surveys and events in seven congressional districts. And a couple of these members of Congress have done more than one, multiple public consultations. Jamie Raskin, a Democratic congressman from Maryland, said about uh, public consultation in his district, this is exactly what we need all over the country. I would like to get back to the kind of Congress where there are these kinds of conversations. Another quote from a member of Congress, uh, we did a consultation with Representative Brian Fitzpatrick, a Republican from Pennsylvania. He said, I like that you're bringing different cross sections together from the community to talk about an issue that has to be bipartisan if it's going to survive both chambers of Congress. And he joined us for a public consultation on police reform right after the George Floyd shooting which found a lot of common ground in his district. Gail, um, you mentioned the National Citizen Cabinet. What is it and, and how could that potentially make a difference? We are envisioning the creation of a National Citizen Cabinet. What we're imagining is a very, very large sample of Americans who would weigh in on policymaking 
uh, before it actually occurs. So that if there's a bill pending and you know about to be voted on in Congress, then it would be taken to this large uh, panel of voters who would be briefed. They would go through the policymaking simulation on the topic and then weigh in. The other thing that a national citizen cabinet would do is it would be so large that it would have large samples of um, Americans in every state and congressional district. So every member of Congress would know exactly where their constituents stand on an issue before a vote. Final question for both of you. Um, What gives you hope that this type of process, which really involves listening to citizens, listening to the public, what gives you hope that that will make a difference? What gives me great hope is that if we can give the public a voice at the table and the and the voice that they were meant to have in this government, that we can truly fix what I think people think is wrong with our democracy. And we now have a system to actually do that. And we are now in a position that we've never been in before, where we actually have a real system where the public can be at the table. The reason why I am am hopeful about this work is because for a long time, technology has been used to bring us apart. But I think that technology does have the promise in order to show how much alike we all are and how much alike the solutions that we think will solve some of our biggest problems are. And I think that by using this new technology to create a real-time force on policy, I think that we could create a way in which the people see themselves in government, not just every four years during election time, but every single day they can see themselves in government. We can have public consultations four, five, six times a year in every single congressional district when there's a big vote up in Congress. And, and I think that that could, could really shake things up and, and allow us to solve problems again. Thank you, J.P. Thomas and Gail Hoffman for joining us here on How Do We Fix It? Thanks so much for Thank having for us. Thank you for having us. So, Richard, it's time for the, our recommendation. And I gather from our discussion before the show, you're not going out on too much of a limb on this one. No. Last week, you recommended that I go and see Maverick Top Gun, which, along with just about everybody else in the country, I did see and thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and actually, it, it prompted me to watch the first Top Gun, which wasn't nearly as good. The point I want to make about this is that here's a movie that almost could have been made in the 1950s or 1960s. It really did appeal to the great majority of Americans. It kind of speaks to what we've just been talking about with Gail and JP. And it's been massively successful. It is by far uh, the biggest uh, movie um, in the U.S. and, and has been 
a hit in many parts of the world, uh, grossing nearly $650 million by one measure at a time when many of us really haven't gone back to see movies and a lot of theaters are really suffering. But it's striking to me that a movie with such broad appeal uh, would kind of bring us together in a way at the, at the water cooler to discuss something that we all saw, which is really rare today. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's the greatest of movies ever made, but it's a good, solid, as you say, kind of old-fashioned movie. A variation on the old World War II squad movie. You know, a team of, of military people come together to accomplish some nearly impossible mission. What's really exciting about the movie, though, is what it means for the movie business that you can make a normal movie about adults working on a problem without superheroes, without any comic book basis. There's Yes, there's special effects, but it's not the kind of extravagant CGI where you're creating new kinds of beasts and, and you know people flying through the air. It's CGI attempting to replicate real things. And I think it bodes well for the future of just regular movies that regular people go to see. It doesn't have a political message. It doesn't have a, uh, it's not part of somebody's comic book universe. It's just a movie and we need more of those. Oh, it's so nice to agree with you, Jim. It's a rare and, thing. <laughs> and and our, our conversation coming next. I don't think I have a lot to add to what JP and Gail said, except applause from the rafters at at what they're trying to do. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really important to not just to get a better sense of what the public thinks, but to get a better sense of what people think when they're informed about the issues. Now, here's here's the. the skeptic or the critic in me, going through a lot of the 172 things that people agree on, even with their efforts to inform people about trade-offs, some of them are fairly thin. You know, like, for example, if you say, do you think that we should subsidize more renewable energy? Lots of people say yes, including a lot of Republicans. That doesn't necessarily mean they, they truly understand the nuances of what those subsidies mean, how hard it might be to implement in certain areas. And even if we had a perfect understanding of what the public wants, it doesn't mean that Congress would be doing its job if it enacted exactly that. I share some of your skepticism. I want to end on a positive note, though, and a shout out for another podcast. If you're intrigued and interested by this idea that we're not as divided as we think. And that was a podcast, uh, Let's Find Common Ground, that I also co-host for Common Ground Committee. And a recent episode, we had Diane Hessen, who uh, spent four years in conversation with hundreds of voters, went back and forth, really developed a relationship with them. And that's exactly what she found, that most people have a nuanced view of many of the issues that were supposed to be hopelessly divided on. I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. 
Our producer on How Do We Fix It is Miranda Schaefer, who is also responsible for those wonderful audiograms that we have now each week on Twitter and other social media platforms. Uh, They're kind of cool. Check them out. And this show is a production of Davies Content. We make podcasts for companies and nonprofits, mostly in the bridging space, on how we can all get along a little bit better at DaviesContent.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.